Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in John chapter 13 and before we go into it, let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, we come before you today reading your word, excited for what you have to tell us. I just ask, Lord, that you would be the one that speaks to us. I know as we go through uh, the reading that you have great insights for us. And Father, I pray that it would be you, Holy Spirit, completely who speaks, nothing from me and everything from you. Help us to grow closer to you, grow in our understanding and our insights and wisdom. I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get started, I just want to read a couple verses from John 13, just as a, as a uh, kind of basically a table setting. The first one is going to start with John 1, John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own <clears throat> who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So I think about that, and Jesus totally knew what was coming up, right? He knew he was going to be flogged, beaten. He was going to be in such distress in the Garden of Gethsemane that he's, he's literally praying blood, tears of blood. And he knew everything that was going to come up. And then he was not only going to be nailed to a cross, be speared in the side, but he was also then going to be fighting and dealing with Satan and overcoming death for three days. But before he even left... He then gave us a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Much different perspective, right? He's, he's actually going to go die. He's going to die brutally. And he's more concerned about his, son, his disciples and the people he loved them to the end, and he then said, love each other. Pretty intense, pretty amazing to me, anyways, considering my background and everything else. So let's go ahead and jump on into chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for, <laughs> sorry. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What a more humble image I don't think you can come up with. And here he is, God, knowing that he's going to die painfully. What's his last act is a, is a sign in showing them how much he loves them and how they're to serve each other. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you are going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will. You will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need to only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. But that, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Excuse me. And I think about this, and I put this in contrast to so many other religions. How many of their gods washed people's feet? How many of their, you know, their prophets, their their gods, whatever it is, walked amongst the people who were leprous, who were diseased, and healed them, broke bread and sat down and ate with them. How many of them told his their disciples, wash each other's feet, serve each other? <clears throat> it's not a really good and common practice that you see anywhere else. Jesus is so different than any other so-called God or prophet. Verse 18. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone to send, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. I keep thinking about this when he says, I'm telling you now this before so that you'll believe me. And I just, I'm just amazed, right? But I I guess I would have to be in there because I'm just a man. They're just men. But why would they have needed any more proof, right? It's just, it's like who I am. You're God. But again, if I have such conviction, why am I not out proselytizing and, and, speaking and preaching and healing the sick, right? It's easy for me to judge 2,000 years later. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which, which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining against next to him, Simon Peter, motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Me, leaning, a, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And that's interesting because that means that, that Satan was right next to Jesus. He was right there. Right? Within an arm's length of Jesus. And so, obviously, Jesus knew Satan was there. 
He saw Satan's plan. Satan knew that he saw him. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now. Where I am going, you not, cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. <clears throat> I am just, you know, I look at this and I think about Jesus and I compare him to other church or, you know, religions. And I don't see the love for man. Doesn't matter which man. Doesn't matter if they're Jews. Doesn't matter if they're Gentiles. He just loves them. And he loved his disciples. And his final command is to love one another. It's an important element to, to consider. Reading uh, Charles Spurgeon's sermon about this uh, very first verse, he focused on now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Charles states, It is an important thing to know how a man feels when he comes to the real crisis of his life. Because ultimately they say when you're facing a trial or a crisis, that really is the great indicator, indicator of who you are as a person. And it could be a great one or it could just be a small one. He goes on, he has cultivated a great variety of feelings during his career, but what he has been, but what has been ru his ruling passion? You will see it now. It is passed into proverb that the ruling passion is strong in death. And there is great truth in the saying, in the light of the man's departure, we shall see what power really ruled him. It was precisely so with our divine master. He had almost reached the end of his earthly life. He had come to a season of awful agony. He was about to endure the great and terrible death of the cross, by which he, he was to purchase eternal redemption for all his people. What will be uppermost in his mind now? What will he think of his disciples now that he has so many other things to think on? Now that the thoughts of his approaching death comes over him, now that the agony and bloody sweat of Gethsemane are so near. What will Jesus think of his disciples at such a time as this and under such circumstances as these? Would he think of them as dense? You still don't get it? Why am I wasting my life on you? Or would he love them 
Our text is the answer to that question. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper table and laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. His love was burning as brightly as at the Paschal Supper as it ever burned before. Yes, and it seemed as if, in that wondrous prayer that is recorded in the 17th chapter, chapter of John, and in the wonderful discourse which accompanied it, the love of Jesus had never before flamed so clearly. Then were the great beacon fires lit, and the fierce winds that blew around the Savior fanned them to their full force of flame. Now you can say of Jesus, Behold how he loved his disciples. For even at the end of his life, he still loved those whom he had loved before. See, Jesus loved us and loves us. He loves us when he was being crucified. He didn't regret Instead, he showed us how to behave, humble, wash feet. Not just feet of the powerful, but everyone's. Show that humility. I mean, he basically stripped down. I mean, he took off his outer garments. There's not a whole lot left. Very humble. That's our God. Humbling himself, performing a humble act to show us how much he loves us and how we should behave. And with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for such a great example. I know without you, without your Holy Spirit inside of me, I could never, ever even understand why that should happen, let alone do something similar. Father, I come before you humbly asking for the strength to love others in that fashion, in a humble way, and a way in which you're honored and glorified. I pray, Father, and I ask for you to be the one that I would live for, that I would be that example, that people would see my love for other people and know that I am yours. Be with us as we go about our day, Lord, I pray. May you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.